Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after genuinely one of the more frustrating games of the season. Like, look, listen, when the Raptors made their decision at the trade deadline, we are going to add to this team. Uh, we are going to add to this team and we're going to chase a spot in the play-in. We're going to chase a potential spot in terms of ducking the play-in and we're going to go and actually win these games. That made it absolutely imperative that the Raptors win games like the games against Chicago, which they did take care of. Even though that game was ugly, they did they took care of that one. But coming into this, you know, series in Washington, um, you got Thursday tonight and you got Saturday against Washington again. These were absolute must wins. I mean, honestly, every game for the Raptors is a must win. You're a must win when you're uh, in March of the, the season and you're still under 500, just unable to break that, um, you know, mo- moment for yourself where you're just continuously chasing and... You know, the Raptors lose tonight, uh, lose by a score of 119 to 108. Genuinely so frustrating on multiple levels. You can go with the three-point shooting, the 9 of 33 from deep from the Raptors, most in particular with Fred VanVleet, who missed a number of massive chances as the Raptors trying to make a comeback, or the Raptors starting the game off shooting 0 of 7 from 3 and 0 of 10 from the field, prompting them to call a timeout. Like, you start 0 of 10 from the field in real life, you just reset the, the game clock. Or you just reset your PlayStation and you just go over again. You can't do that in this game, though. Meanwhile, Kyle Kuzma has 10 straight on you. And you all of a sudden are down 10 nothing, having to call the first time out. You can say the three-point shooting was frustrating. You can say that defensive execution was frustrating. Washington just seamlessly moving the ball, switching the ball, switching ends of the floor. You know, DeLon Wright with beautiful playmaking throughout the course of this game. Bradley Beal, hard Double team, triple team, still able to score on the chances he got in transition, but otherwise made the extra pass. Daniel Gafford dunking everything at the basket. Chris Tasperzingas, super efficient with everything that he did. Kyle Kuzma setting the tone with the way he scored offensively. Looked so fluid offensively. Looked so easy for Washington. Meanwhile, for the Raptors, just the struggle ball over and over and over again. You got the first 10 shots that you're missing and, and doing nothing with that. Then you got to call timeout. Then you settle in, but then all of a sudden your bench comes in. Another point of frustration in this game. Look at your bench. Minus 26 for Gary Tran Jr., minus 10 for Will Barton, minus 15 for Precious Achua, minus 18 for Chris Boucher, and only minus 6 for, uh, for Thad Young, but that's only because he only played four minutes. I mean, wow, that looks like a weather report across all of Canada right now. Like, that is just... Such an abysmal effort from your bench who didn't really get a ton from the starters. The starters started slow, but at least the starters cleaned up their own mess, got themselves back into the game in the first quarter. You turn over the second quarter. Nick Nurse is like, well, hey, man, we're going to use a lot of Will Barton tonight. Don't be surprised if we use some Will Barton, Gary Trent Jr. winners tonight. And the Wizards are looking at you like, okay, go, go ahead. Like, just genuinely go ahead. We literally cut Will Barton from our team. And so you want to sign him and use him against us. Well, good luck. We'll see how that goes. And it's not on Will Barton. It, I have, honestly, there's really, I, I don't mean to single him out whatsoever. He's just got here. He's not responsible for this. But that bench unit was so bad, led by Precious Achua, who just made so many defensive gaffes, where you are turning to Precious for specifically his defense, not his offense, not the, oh, I'm going to, you know, tur- you know, just cradle the ball like a running back 
and then use my head to dig across two defenders and then throw up a contested shot and maybe I'll get my own putback. That's aka the classic precious half-court possession. But I'm talking about defensively, you have him in the game. OG Anobi is your primary defender against Bradley Beal. He's got a hard enough job, right? But somebody's got to come in and spell him. And Precious Achua's got to play the backup forward for OG Anobi and, and play defense on that front or at least play backup center for you and go in ahead for Jakob Pertl, who was also playing great defense in this game. But what does Precious come in and do? He's, he's miscommunicates on a switch, gives up a three for Bradley Beal. He gives up a driving layup. He gives up another three on Kyle Kuzma, who's, who's like, how do you not see that Kyle Kuzma is going to shoot every single shot? And he's liable to make a lot of these right now. He's, he's having a really good season, FYI. So how are you coming into this game on a pick-and-roll coverage where you're guarding the big, but you're involved in the screen, and Kyle Kuzma comes up off that screen? Why are you dropping back into the paint? Like, why? Right? So you have that level of production from your bench. Honestly, if it wasn't for Chris Boucher, God bless his heart, he was you know, single-handedly doing the scoring for the Raptors in the second unit. The Raptors would have just straight-up lost this game in the second quarter, period. But then you continue on, and the Raptors defensively never come together. The Wizards are able to break, 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 break. There's just so many fast break points for Washington, putbacks for Washington as well. The Raptors were eventually able to win the putback battle, although that helps when you miss so many threes. A lot more chances to put back when you when you brick a lot of open threes. But still, at least the Raptors are able to even it out in terms of second-chance points. But fast break points, Washington got so many chances. Washington throws a zone at the Raptors, and the Raptors have no idea how to play the zone. They get horrible shots. Meanwhile, the Wizards just run off those miss, misses, go on a 9-0 run themselves. So again, frustrating. And then the Raptors get into the fourth quarter, and they're like, okay, we're going to overplay our starters, right? And not even overplay. Forget overplay. I, I don't want to have Nick Nurse to have any you know idea that, oh, I can't play my starters more minutes. This is a must-win game. You've chosen your direction as a team. You need to win these results. You need to go into Washington, which you haven't played yet, and you need to at least get one of two, right? Or, or better yet, the Kawhi quote, F it, let's get both. We got to get both against Washington if we want to sniff the idea that we can get out of the play-in. But instead, a team below us, directly below the Raptors, who are now virtually in a tie with Toronto at 9, you come out and give up this kind of performance. They come out in a zone. You have nothing against that zone. Just absolutely nothing. And not just nothing. You got to then, you know, come back on transition on the defense, and that's not there either. And whatever. So at least you get to the fourth quarter, and it's it's reasonably manageable. Like, did I ever feel in my heart that, like, oh, the Raptors are really going to come together and, and make this push? No, but you have this hope, right? Because that's why you watch the game. You've seen the Raptors come back a, a couple times. They used to have this reputation as a team when they were more successful in previous years. But hey, maybe that happens this time, right? Maybe the Raptors come together and play better this time. At least they're playing their starters who are playing decently well. But then you look at that comeback push and the amount of times where the Raptors were like, okay, we can't really get stops on Washington, but occasionally they'll miss a shot and maybe they'll turn the ball over. And can the Raptors be clinical? Because the one thing is, if you're going to make that comeback, you have no margin for error for mistakes. And when you see some of those possessions, like at the end of the third quarter, where it's Fred VanVleet gets a, a driving layup against Bradley Beal. Beal just backs off, not playing really defense. Fred goes in for the layup, hits the underside of the basket. Then the next trip down, it's an open three for Fred uh, in the corner, misses it. Then the Raptors rip down the offensive rebound, work it back out. Fred's at the top of the floor for three, misses it. We're talking about situations where you are trying to cut an 11-point lead down to nine, down to eight, keep that momentum going, get a couple of stops, force some turnovers, go back the other way and score, and you just don't have that. You have opportunities where the Raptors are down eight. They got to stop. They run out in transition. For, you know, They reverse the ball. 
And Pascal Siakam's wide open in the corner. But guess what? Pascal wasn't expecting to catch it, didn't have the footwork down, had to reset his feet, shoots the jumper. It's long on a wide open corner three, right? And these are your top players. Fred, Pascal, these guys weren't really doing it for you. Meanwhile, OJ and Obi had a really nice game, not only just playing great defense on, on Bradley Beal, but, you know, he was being very aggressive on offense. You know, I thought he got blocked a couple times in the first quarter, and I put out the idea that, like, why are we playing through OG like this? Completely wrong on that front because OJ Anubi was able to make a ton of reads and play very aggressive and play the inside-out game, the threes, the post, all that kind of stuff. Even made a couple passes out of that. OG was doing it for you. Jakob Pertl did something historically today that he hasn't done since he's been drafted in 2016, which is to say he made seven straight free throws. He was a perfect seven of seven from the free throw line. I think on the season, he's like 50%. He shoots with one hand and he swished every one of those seven free throws and he was eight of nine from the field and he was playing defense and he was dishing the ball and he was getting offensive rebounds and you still don't have a chance to come back in this game and you know like when you look at it at the end of the game and you're thinking about like you know can the Raptors just get over this hump you know you're you're trying to make this push and just to add to that torment Nick Nurse is just going to randomly take a tech complaining at Tony Brothers why why like you, you already are having a hard time coming back in this game. You were losing in this game for pretty much. I w- honestly, I, I can double check the numbers later, but I, I would have hazard to say the Raptors are losing this game by at least 40 of the 48 minutes. So when you're trying to make that fourth quarter comeback, why, if you are Nick Nurse, after Washington misses a shot and you are about to break, are you taking a technical foul, which stops the play, which allows Washington to get their defense set, and it gives them a free point? What are you doing? You have to control your emotions as a coach. And I know that's rich coming from me right now because clearly there's steam coming in my ears. But you need to do better on that job. There's a reason you get paid $8 million to coach this team. Meanwhile, was the team prepared to guard Washington? And my answer to that is no. Yes, as as Matt Devlin correctly pointed out in the broadcast many times, that Washington is shooting a higher percentage from three as they do on the season. They are not a prolific three-point shooting team necessarily. However... They become a perfect three-point shooting team when you are not playing great transition defense, when you are allowing dribble penetration every single time down, when you are double-teaming Bradley Beal nonstop, and that the Bradley Beal, who has seen this defense from Nick Nurse for, oh, I don't know, ever since Nick Nurse took over as coach in 2018, he probably knows where the next pass is. In fact, every star knows what to expect when they play the Toronto Raptors. So guess what? They're going to find the open shooters. And they're going to knock those down. It wasn't like anybody on Washington was going nuts. Even even Kyle Kuzma, yeah, he hit four of nine from three. Guess what? Kyle Kuzma's a very good offensive player. And he's very aggressive. And especially when he takes the initiative at the start of the game, and especially when Precious Achua is not just having brain farts guarding him, he's going to knock down four threes. So yeah, Washington shot 47% from three. And maybe on the season, they shoot 37 or below. But guess what? That's a product of your defense. Right and and where were your where's your preparation against the zone? The Raptors' execution against the zone was bad. Where's your preparation in terms of your rotations for this game? Because you know, you you look at the first half rotations versus the second half rotations, they look entirely different. First half, the Raptors come out in the second quarter with a Will Barden, Fred VanVleet, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Chris Boucher, Precious Achua lineup. Did that work? No. Did they try that out in practice? Yeah, once. Like, literally, they had one practice to work on that. And a game that you go in and you must win this game, and you pull that lineup out, and they're just doing... Honestly, they lost every possession except for when Chris Boucher bailed them out. And, like, 
you know what? I'm happy that Chris Boucher was able to bail them out a couple of times, but in no way, shape, or form should you live with a lineup where Chris Boucher has to bail you out. That lineup was not doing it for you. And guess what? Nick Nurse at least had the sense to say, you know what? I'm not going to play some of these guys in the second half. I'm not going to randomly play Thad Young at center, even though he gets, you know, I mean, guys just walk to the basket when they see 34 year old Thad Young at six foot eight playing center at the basket. And that's no fault for Thad Young. I have, I have all the respect and all the time in the world for Thad Young. That is not a position you put him into. Right? That's not a position. Honestly, Nick Nurse might have been standing in the, in, in the lane trying to take a charge if, if, if that's how he wants to play with his center rotation in this game. So in the second half, very little Precious Achua, very little Chris Boucher, no Will Barton, very little Gary Chen Jr. And guess what? The Raptors are able to play better. But what you know what? That, that, the damage is already done. The damage is already done. And now you played your starters. Now Washington sees that you threw out your best punch, and they're going to look at the tape. And a well-coached team like that, who clearly everybody on Washington is playing really hard. Did anybody come into the game for Washington and they weren't getting after it? I saw the Washington Wizards up 17 points, and you saw you know Daniel Gafford diving out of bounds for loose balls, even though he's on the outside rebounding position and winning possessions. I'm seeing you know Goodwin off the bench, who Washington cut Will Barton for to give this guy more minutes. And guess what? He's crashing the glass against a center as a guard, and he's winning second-chance possessions, and they're up 17. So clearly, they're playing hard for Wes Unsell Jr. You know, they're rallying around him, and now Wes gets to look at the film and say, okay, all right, so we did a great job against Pascal Siakam, right? We zoned him. You know, that's really slowed him down there. We showed him extra bodies. Clearly, we have Chris Tasperzingis and Daniel Gafford to protect the basket. Two seven-footers, both guys who can really block shots. So, you know, we can really wall him off. You know, we can prevent him from playing one-on-one. We can do a great job of that, right? But, okay, we, we lost sight of OG and Obi a couple of times. They want to play through OG in the post. How do we sort of handle that? You know, what are the strategies that we want to go with on that front? You know, they got a lot of open looks for Jacoperto in the pick-and-roll. How do we guard that differently, right? Fred Van Vliet was 5 of 17 from the field. Maybe we don't show two defenders towards him, and then we stay home on Jacoperto and close him off a little bit. We saw Scotty Barnes, you know, look, he had a lot of looks for layups. He couldn't make those, but we can clean that up, right? Meanwhile, we can continue to hammer their second unit. That's what Washington is going to do in the next two days, and you can bet that they will come out and come out with, and with specific adjustments to get even better in a game that they already led for the majority of the game. Meanwhile, for the Raptors, what are the adjustments, right? We have another practice tomorrow. I'm sure Nick will try to implement more things. And who knows? Maybe the Raptors don't come out shooting 0 of 10 because they did get good looks. The process was good. But at the same time, like, where are the advantages that Toronto can sort of impose upon themselves, right? Pascal has traditionally played really well against Washington. They still don't have a one-on-one defender against them, but now they have great help defense with Chris Hasperzingas and Daniel Gafford, and they're going to play those guys a lot, especially when you have a front court like the Raptors, who Scotty Barnes isn't a threat to shoot, Jacoperto isn't a threat to shoot, and honestly, the way Fred's playing right now, they're happy to let him shoot. Normally, and when Fred's, you know, good, um, you don't let him get 11 three-point attempts off unless you want to lose. But tonight, it didn't matter. Tonight, it was an actual winning strategy because he shot 2 of 11. But probably he shoots a little bit better than that. Who knows? We've seen the Raptors whole season. We know Fred's been really, really up and down. Um, Washington can even make more adjustments, right? And so, man, for me, I'm just watching this game and I'm just frustrated. Like, I'm looking at this game and I'm just like, 
man, look, the Washington Wizards are very cohesive. They're bringing depth off the bench. When they get open shots, they take them. They don't come out of their offense. There's not a guy who's on that team who's trying to, like, freestyle outside of their role. DeLon knows his role. Bring the ball up. Be solid. Make the next pass. And take the occasional, you know, shot here or there. Make, make Made a three here and there that, that really, you know, backbreaking. Kyle Kuzma's going to be aggressive. Bradley Beal's going to be smart about drawing attention and then kicking it out. Chris Asperzingis knows where he can get his shots in the post or from, from three on these long closeouts or cuts. Daniel Gafford knows he's a garbage man around the basket, but he's super aggressive and physical. Corey Kispert stands and shoots in the corners, and he actually played some decent defense today. Danny Adia, he plays great defense throughout the course of the game, rebounds, pushes the ball, secondary ball handler. These guys all come in and know what they're doing. Meanwhile, for the Raptors, I feel like for the starters, yeah, OG knows what he's doing. Scotty knows what he's doing. Pascal knows what he's doing fred you know i guess he the brain knows what it's supposed to do but the, right now the shot just i mean for the whole season how many times have we said that right and then scotty really comes in and out of the game if we're going to be completely honest over the rhythm of the game you don't really know what his specific role is and then coming off the bench i don't feel like anybody really is that comfortable with the role off the bench gary Trent jr is having a very productive season and i get it you make this trade for yaka proto someone has to go to the bench and i don't disagree with the five-man rotation that they have gotten with that starting group but now gary Trent jr is coming off the bench how do you find a way for him to impact because the way for him to impact the game is not to give him the ball and let him isolate and give him the lou williams playbook at the end of quarters again a coach needs to be more creative than that if that's the plan to bring gary Trent jr off the bench you can't just throw Gary's production out the window. You can't just say, oh, yeah, two of seven for four points in 18 minutes as a minus 26 with nothing else across the board. That is my plan now, right? We need to find a way to continue to get him to be involved because what we would like to do is take the 18 points per game he was doing with the starting unit and bring it off the bench, right? But what are the plays? Well, guess what? In the starting unit, how many times you see Gary Trent Jr. ISO, jab step, step back, sidestep against a three, uh, for a three against the shot clock? Like, you don't see that, right? And that's what you're seeing now, right? End of quarters. Oh, let's just give the ball to Gary. What? Gary's been effective all season as guys drive and kick and find them or find him in rotations or they swing it opposite side to him, all that kind of stuff. He plays within the flow of the offense, and he could, he's a finisher. He is not a creator. And so why are you running the offense through him, dribble handoffs, you know, picking pick and rolls, all this kind of stuff? That's not his strength. And yes, he can sometimes do it, but you need this win. I don't need sometimes. I need certainty when you're playing against Washington and you need to win this game. If you can't win this must-win game, why are you even trying to play for the play-in in the first place? That's a that's a one-game do-or-die, right? Do you feel confident after seeing this performance? Which, by the way, the Raptors could very well be playing Washington Wizards. They're in the eight, currently tied for nine, right? But, you know, 9-10, you know, like you might have to play this game on a, this team on a one-off. Do you trust that you can come in and do that, and where's the creativity uh, as as a, as a coach, right? The rotations clearly they were not right. Clearly they were not right because Nick Nurse scrapped those in the second half. At least he had the sense to do that. But even in terms of the the overall build and the structure of the of the team, Washington makes sense to me, right? When I look at the team that they have on the paper, I'm looking like okay. If I can play these two seven footers, Chris Tapps and Daniel Gafford together, and they're going to be in the lane. And I'm going to have DeLon Wright as, as a, on, on the opposing, you know, tough cover because he's a very, you know, pesky defender, as we know, obviously, you know, DeLon Wright, longtime Raptor. Um, that makes sense to me. So we can cover for Kuzma and we can cover for Beal. In fact, in, in order to give them even more cover, we are going to play some zone with this group, right? Um, and offensively, we can make this work because Gafford plays really physical in the paint and he's a very athletic player who can catch lobs. 
and then Porzingis is, uh, you know, the unicorn, right? He can step up to 30 feet. Um, he can play in the post. He can stretch the floor. He can also cut. He, you can also play pick and roll with them. All sorts of variety, right? But that makes sense, right? And then offensively, yes, Kuzma can be our, our one-on-one scorer. He's not going to get the best defenders on him. Like, for example, the Raptors, they didn't put OJ and Obi on Kyle Kuzma. They put Scotty on him because of the fact that you need your best defenders on Bradley Beal, who's going to draw a lot of attention. And then a lot of these guys coming off the bench know what they're doing, play a specific role, and they know they're coming out of the game if they don't play that role. And they all did that tonight. Do you see that same sense with the Raptors? Do you see that same sense? I'm seeing with the Raptors, and I'm like, wow, the Raptors have a lot of good defenders, but all they do is overplay and try to get the steal. All they do, all season, is, and, and for the last couple of seasons, is just, we're going to press up super high, we're going to reach in, we're going to accumulate fouls, like Pascal has five fouls tonight, and look, that, that's not necessarily on Nick. Two of those were just him missing shots uh, at the basket and then taking take fouls, essentially, and, and gambling away on those. Those are bad fouls by Pascal, but there's so much reaching on this team, there's so much jumping at the three-point shooters on this team, there's so much like, oh, let's double-team the guy and then, and then spray out and jump and you know, be not solid. Like you even had Jakob Proto coming over from Greg Popovich's team and saying, I got to get used to the defense because it's not about being solid. It's about making gambles. Like he, he just said this and we're just like, oh, well, that, I mean, that makes sense. Obviously, you know, Pop doesn't know what he's doing. We got we to gotta go with this other gambling scheme where we don't play for stops. We play for gambles. And guess what? A good team like Washington is right now, and I know the rap, Washington's record is not nothing to write, write about, but when you watch that team, you're like, I know what they're doing at least. They can at least handle that. Because, yeah, you force four turnovers out of Bradley Beal, but at what cost, right? How many other guys got free, right? You're, you're pressuring the ball against DeLon Wright. Like, I'm sorry, I've seen a lot of DeLon Wright, man. He's a very solid ball handler. Right. And you're not just going to pressure him and, and swipe him and rip him at half. Like, like you know, instead, what you're seeing in an eight point game down the stretch and the Raptors got to like, you know, keep making stops and keep getting, you know, um, you know, momentum to continue to, you know, miss threes on the other end and frustrate you even further. You're seeing Trevor Van Vliet press up on DeLon, right? 30 feet from the basket, like he's Steph Curry or something. And DeLon's like, oh, word. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll just, you know, turn, you know, drive. And go in for a layup. You know how easy it is to blow by when you're standing like in their jersey? Right? And and so I'm thinking about like, wait, hold on. When you take a step back there, does that make sense with this roster? Right? You look at the Raptors roster and you're like, wow, a lot of these guys are pretty good defenders individually. So why are they on the bottom half of the league defensively? Can you not play more conservative? And not even conservative, just responsible. Maybe conservative sounds like a bad word in this case. How about responsible? How about we limit the amount of dribble penetration that these guys get? How about we communicate our switches, keep the ball in front, keep a hand up, and force them to shoot jumpers? What happens to that? Right? And listen, if 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 they if they do that next game and Kyle Kuzma goes off for, I don't know, 30 again, and, and Bradley Beal goes off for 35, and, and you know, Chris Tapps, I mean, I can't imagine him, like, I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe Chris, and whatever, at least let me see it, please, as I think, for me, it's driving me nuts, seeing them just, like, press up and play for the steal, play for the turnover, rather than playing for the stop, and that's not always the same thing, like, and I get the whole idea of, like, wow, the Raptors really need to force these turnovers, because their offense is garbage, and they got to go back the other way, and it's just, like, if that's the case, if, if you're selling on a defense just so that you can have a passable offense, then what are you really saying? Of course you're a 500 team, right, and so, you know, it's just a frustrating effort. Like, look, this is a winnable game. That's not to say the Raptors don't have strengths of their own. They do have strengths. And when you look back on this game and you might think, well, we could have done a couple of things differently, right? Fred could have not shot 5 of 17 
from the field. And there are good things that Fred did in terms of running the pick and roll. But man, who's trying to hear that when it's five of 17 and two of 11 from three? Yes, the, the guarding the pick and roll was good. Yes, he got that one stop on Chris Stapps in the post, and it was cool. Although Chris Stapps did score on him later on. But we need the threes. We need a game like this for Fred Van Vliet. You're on the road. Last season, we saw Fred Van Vliet go on the road against Washington and nail some pull-up threes. Absolutely just like ripping the heart out of the Washington Wizards and leading the Raptors to victory. And they had a lot of the same lineup, right? So, you know, we know what Fred can do, but we've been talking about that all season. We need to see it happen. As soon as next game, as soon as the Raptors then host Washington later on when they play in Toronto, we need to see that again. We need to see better than 2 of 11 from 3. We need to see Pascal Siakam. Listen, yeah, guys are going to load up on you defensively. You've seen it once. How do you adjust to that? How do you handle it? Because it was not good today. 13.6 of 16 shooting with uh, four turnovers as well, minus 12, missing some threes, bad steals or bad gambles. Listen, if the other team is going to sell out to, to guard you, and and because that that's what the Raptors did to Bradley Beal, did you ever see Bradley Beal press? Did you see Bradley Beal like force his offense? Occasionally here or there, but at least he didn't compound it with the, with the gambling and the steals on defense. And the reach-ins, Pascal's got to be more responsible on that front. You know what? Defensively, there are a couple of times, right? Daniel or Danny Advia, who was 2 of 7 from the field tonight, took Pascal Siakam off the dribble and got to the basket, right? Again, they got to be more solid on that front. And, yeah, you know, there's good things, right? OJ Anobi, I thought, played great defense on Bradley Beal, really had a great offensive game. His best game post-injury, he's going to be one of your stars of the game. Jakob Perto was phenomenal. And for the life of me, just please play him more minutes because it's not like you have to hide Jakob Pertl defensively. He is very good in almost all situations defensively. Like, yes, I don't want him on an island against Bradley Beal for the whole game, but that's not what Washington was trying to do. And if that is what they're trying to do, that takes away from the rest of the system of offense that they're running with the rest of the team. So let's have Jakob Pertl maybe not play like 10 minutes in the first half. You know, there's 24 minutes in, the, in, in, in a half. So playing him 10 when he's not in foul trouble whatsoever makes no sense whatsoever, especially when those backup minutes are being picked up by Thad Young at center and Precious Achua at backup center doing whatever the, you know, whatever he's been doing of late, which is just a bunch of negative, right? Let's make sure that in the 48 hours in between here that Nick Nurse or one of the assistant coaching staffs uh, staffers shows this game by Precious Achua defensively to him on a loop for 48 hours until they played the rematch because that's how much it was detrimental to see him you know not play defense and give up opportunities against Washington if you and and here's the thing we know that Precious can be a very good defender we saw last year we saw this year yes you have gone to the bench yes I'm sure that's dispiriting yes I'm sure you have to find your you know way a little bit again but man there's got to be a standard you a pro right like you got to look at the tape from this game and the five or six possessions that he gave up that gave Washington a five, six, seven point advantage single-handedly. No bench player should cost you that because what, you know what? Then you should just get benched, right? So show them that tape for 48 hours. Get something on, on, on offense for Gary Trent Jr. Design some plays. Here's, here's one, right? And I'm look, listen, I, all I do is watch basketball. I got no basketball background like that. But, you know, I've seen enough basketball where it's like I've watched Gary Trent Jr. a lot. Maybe give him the ball, curl into the basket. Just start really simple. Before that, they used to run it for Norm. They used to run it for Terrence Ross. They can run it for Gary Trent. Just a couple of set plays to get him into the offense where it's not Gary has the ball, getting a screen, and creating off of that. When has that ever been Gary's role? When has it been like one-on-one, uh, end of the quarter, you know, uh, boom, I'm going to get a three. 
do not run the Lou Williams offense for Gary Trent Jr. just because you're asking him to come off the bench and be your sixth man again, right? Play good offense for him. Find a way for him to be involved because you know defensively, despite the fact that he came on this show and said that one of the misconceptions is his defense is good, where is that impact, right? You need to see that more than anything else offensively. Will Barton has just joined the team. It's going to take him some time to acclimate himself. But at the same time, he's a veteran. He's a pro. You got to be able to run some plays through him as well, get him comfortable. And then for, please, no more backup minutes at center for Thad. There's just no reason for this. If you find yourself itching to play Thad at center, just resist that and put Jakob in the game. Please, right? And, and we can start there. And we can go from that to winning potentially one, if not both, of the last two games here against Washington. Because I cannot stress this enough. When the Raptors made their decision at the trade deadline to go in this way, these became must-wins. We could have tanked the season, and we could have come into this game, and we could have been like, ha-ha, whatever, let's, let's see the tankathon odds. Let's see what, you know, what, you know, what our odds for Victor are after this, and we can give up the game. But they didn't choose to do that. And whatever. That's fine. I respect that. I, honestly, you want to win in this league? I respect that in general. But then you got to actually do it. And the way the Raptors played tonight was not a winning effort. And I need to see that desperation come out uh, and match Washington. Because that's a team that's been that's been going hard. They got good road. They, you can clearly tell there's a lot of guys playing with confidence. And yes, their record isn't good. But you know what? They're still a tough team. They're still pretty talented. You look across the board and you look at the matchups eye to eye across the board. I don't know. They have a lot of good talent, you know, and, and, and I would say they're starting five, you know, pretty damn good, pretty damn good. You know, Bradley Beal against Pascal Siakam. Pascal's probably, well, he's better. He's better than Bradley is this season, but I would say it's not a surprise that Bradley Beal outplays Pascal on a game. Tonight, they play each other through an even, right? Daniel Gafford, Yaka Pirtle. Yaka is slightly better than, than Daniel Gafford, maybe more than slightly, but Gafford's pretty good, and we saw that tonight. Chris Tapps, Brzingis versus a guy like Chris Scotty Barnes. Right now, Chris Tapps is a much more productive player. Kyle Kuzma versus OJ Anobi. I don't know. Do you like offense more or defense more? And then DeLon Wright versus Fred. I mean, damn, we're back to 2018 again debating DeLon Wright versus Fred, but in this game, DeLon definitely outplayed Fred, right? And, you know, you look across, uh, uh, so this is not a team that you can just come in and dominate. you got to come in with that disposition to dominate and take over. And I, I didn't see that from the Raptors tonight. Washington clearly did that. And now you are in, you know, in a ton of trouble. You need to come out and win the game on Saturday. You need to spend the next 48 hours, figure out whatever it is the adjustments are. You got to hope that Washington takes their foot off the gas pedal, gets a little bit comfortable, and you got to take that game, and then you got to come back to Toronto, and you got to beat Washington again. Tonight was unacceptable. They frustrated everybody who's a Raptor fan watching this game, and you need to then correct that, and you need to, you know, get over this because they can be the Washington Wizards, and they just didn't do it tonight. And, and sometimes things just happen, but the, the way you watched it, the way you saw the Raptors flail their way at this game wasn't good enough. So to end the the, the, the podcast, because, you know, I'm sorry, this is really just like a venting session for 30 minutes. And I've been trying very consciously to not do this as much on, on, on the season, even though this season has been frustrating. But, you know, sometimes you just really can't resist. Um yeah, your three stars from tonight's game. First star is going to Jakob Proto, 23 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, three steals, two blocks, uh, eight or nine shooting from the field, seven seven from the free throw line. Just amazing. Just 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 actually amazing. Um, really good in the pick and roll, really good on defense, really good, and the only thing limiting him is is his minutes. Play him more minutes. Um, don't hide up in matchups. Just play him. How about that? How about just play him, right? Do the simple thing here. 
Second star is OJ Anobi, 26 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block. Honestly, in contention for the first star for me as well. Um, you know, um, got to learn to trust him a little bit more personally. But, I mean, for, for to see him come out in this game makes me very excited. You know, he's, all, he's always guarded – well, not always. He's learned eventually to guard Beal. He's been matched up with Beal ever since, you know, OG came into this league. I mean, as a rookie, the Raptors played uh, the Wizards, you know, in the first round, and OG was assigned to cover Beal. And of course, over the years, Beal has gone better, but also OJ Nelby's gotten a lot better, and he's been able to keep this matchup um, more under wraps. Um, and I actually remember interviewing OG once, and I asked him who's the top three hardest players to cover in the league, and he said LeBron, KD, which obviously, and then he said Bradley Beal. And in no way, shape, or form is Bradley Beal the third best player in the league in terms of scoring, uh, nor was he at the time when I asked him, but it shows you that OG Nelby has really, really kept this as like a key matchup for him. So I thought he did really well in that matchup tonight and beat him a little bit on offense as well. Very similar to the effort that the Rosen uh, had in the matchup against OG. So you got to give him a lot of credit on that front. Um, I know I have sometimes shortchanged him, so I'm really trying to to own up to that. And then your third star, I'm, I'm not even sure. I want to give it to Chris Boucher. Um, 12 points, three rebounds and assists. Knocked in two threes, which is nice. He's been shooting the three better of late. A couple hard cuts to the basket. Um, yeah, only good thing off the bench tonight was Chris Boucher, and, and it's too bad because he couldn't lift that group. I mean, you just don't expect him to, but at least he played his role. But I need to see better from Scotty. I need to see better from Pascal. I need to see better from Fred. I need to see better from Nick. I need to see better from every, every other bench player, especially Precious. Um, and I need to see the win against the Washington Wizards when they rematched on Saturday. Your Gerald Henderson award before I go is obviously Kyle Kuzma, 30 points, five rebounds, five assists. He's capable of this. Like, you look through his game logs, man. He, he's been very, very empowered offensively, and he really go takes it and goes. You got to be really, really smart against him. Really smart. You got to be switched on at all times because he is looking to attack at all times. So just be able to guard him. Clearly, based on the way he stresses, he's a man that lacks no confidence whatsoever. So you need to match that with more diligence and intensity. But look, the Raptors lose this game. It happens. But, you know, it just, just makes their, their chase even harder. So thanks everyone for listening. Continue to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. A reminder, there's no Raptor show on Friday. We have wall-to-wall coverage of the NHL trade deadline on radio. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's... I don't think people are looking for Raptors coverage, to be honest, after a game like this. So please, please, Raptors, come out on Saturday and play to your potential and beat the Washington Wizards. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and I'm signing off.